I believe that you shouldn't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. You should be able to do both at once. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. And welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lepofsky, and a huge thank you for joining us. This week, we're talking about making a difference. My guest has been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, NBC, Forbes Magazine, The Huffington Post, Seventeen Magazine, and many, many keynote speaking stages. She's a ninja ping pong player, loves nachos, and she's the founder and CEO of Headbands of Hope. Jess Ekstrom, an extra special welcome to you and a big thanks for joining us here on Inspiring Leaders. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, you know how we start things off, Jess. I got a quick question for you. What leader inspired you and why? I will have to say right now I'm very inspired by the founders of Airbnb and them being so open about how their idea really took a while to ramp up. They actually leaked all of their early stage investor emails about how they didn't think it was a good idea and no one would want to stay in someone else's house. And so I love their resilience being entrepreneurs and really sticking to their idea even when other people didn't. I have to admit, I haven't tuned into that very much, but what you just said really piqued my interest because I love Airbnb. I use them all the time. It's a great business. They obviously proved people wrong who who didn't support the idea, but I mean, they really had to do a lot of trial and error to figure out what makes it work. To me, that's really inspiring because you hear so many success stories of entrepreneurs, but you never really hear the times when things didn't go right. Kind of helps normalize that part of hurdles and, you know, speed bumps when you're trying to do something big, when you know that someone who's made it has also experienced those same kinds of hurdles too. Speaking of doing something big, you are one awesome public speaker. I've had the privilege of hearing you speak before. For a lot of our listeners, they may not have heard this. So I first just want to introduce you by saying that we've got a really amazing person on our show right now. Five years ago, you founded Headbands of Hope, which is literally giving both hope and headbands to girls with cancer. You also donate headbands to every children's hospital in the U.S. I'd love it if you talk a little bit more about that, but before you do, I also know that you have some pretty powerful insights and perspectives on making a living and making a difference. So if you don't mind, give us a little background on Headbands of Hope, and then I'd love it if you'd share some of your wisdom on this worthy idea of making a living and making a difference, because I really think that we can all become a little bit better on this topic. Sure. I originally started Headbands of Hope when I was in college. I was interning for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I saw a lot of kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy would be offered a wig or be given a hat after hair loss. And a lot of them weren't really concerned with covering up their heads. They just wanted something that could restore their self-confidence after losing their hair to chemotherapy. So I saw a lot of kids coming into the office wearing headbands. And I just thought it was the cutest thing. And they looked adorable. And you could tell it really boosted their spirits. 
So I started to look up organizations that provided headbands to kids with cancer because I wanted to arrange a donation to some of the kids that I was working with that summer. And I couldn't find any. I realized that no one had made this connection that kids that had cancer loved to wear headbands after hair loss. So the first thing I did was I was a sophomore in college and I found a 1-800 number to this huge hair accessory corporation and would just call them relentlessly in the middle of classes and leave voicemails and telling them that they should be donating their extra inventory to children's hospitals and was really trying to explain why I was asking for this. Finally, they ended up calling me back. I think probably just to get me to stop calling them. And they said, how many headbands do you need? To be honest, I hadn't thought that far ahead yet. I just didn't think they'd even call me back. I just said a thousand because that seemed like a really big number to me at the time. And so they shipped a thousand headbands to my dorm room in college and all my roommates were crazy. They're like boxes of headbands coming in. And they're like, what are you doing, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're like, you must really love headbands. I went to the children's hospitals and handed them out and the kids loved them. That was when I really, I had this moment where I was like, this is great. I love being able to provide this, but I can't keep relying on someone else to provide me, you know, these headbands for the kids. I need to come up with a more sustainable way to keep the giving going. And that was when I had thought about Tom Shoes, which was really like on the rise then of their one-for-one model that they had pioneered and thought, well, why not do that? But with headbands, one of the things that I love about Tom's that I'll get into later is they really encourage people to copy their idea and insert different products and different causes in order to use business like as a vehicle for change. So I created Headbands of Hope. For every headband sold, we donate a headband to a child with cancer. I started it April 25th, 2012, at the end of my junior year of college. Now we had our five-year anniversary this past April, where we actually hosted our first ever patient prom for kids with cancer at Duke Children's Hospital. We transformed the whole lobby into an elegant prom and had over 100 patients come out. That was really amazing. And it's great to be able to show that Sometimes like the biggest impact comes in really small gestures. A headband is such a small kind of accessory that makes such a big difference. So not only do we want to fulfill our mission of giving headbands to kids with cancer, but we also hope that our model and and what we're doing can inspire people to show that giving comes in a lot of different forms in a lot of different ways. And you just have to find out what works best for you. If you could see me right now, Jess, you'd know that I have a huge smile on my face. Oh, good. (laughs) This story just touches my heart. I can't tell you how much. I mean, it's just incredible. And I love the way you describe sometimes some of the simplest things have the biggest impact. Yeah. And I can just picture the big smiles on some of the faces of these kids that are going through a little bit of an intimidating ordeal, I guess is what you could call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something else that we have started doing recently that's been absolutely amazing is we've Instead of bringing headbands to the hospital, we bring kits where the kids can make their own headbands. They We have like DIY flower crown kits and bandanas for the boys that they can color on. To the kids with cancer, they can actually create them themselves. It really provides a 
creative outlet, something where they can really get their mind up and like be distracted and feel like a normal kid again. And one of the cutest things that we saw was a lot of them actually wanted to make headbands for their friends in the hospital or their family or their mom and not just make them for themselves, but give them as a gift, which I thought was really cool and something that we love to support. Oh, it must be cool watching them build them out and create them and the whole thing comes to life. And then yeah, I can just picture them putting them on their heads and the huge smile that they have. Oh, definitely. Really cool to see what kind of art and expression and like put their creative talents towards something can do for their spirit. It's forced us to think of what more ways can we do to help in the hospital Beyond giving headbands, is it kind of combining our mission with art therapy programs or is it maybe hosting more proms and continuing to think entrepreneurially within our business and and what can we be doing more, doing better for these kids? And business are talking about purpose these days and Mm -hmm. companies that have strong vision statements and where are they going and rallying people around them. I can imagine that what it is that you're doing and the purpose that you've got and the difference that you're making in the lives of these kids, that it's pretty easy to get up on a Monday morning and go to work, isn't it? Well, it is, but I also don't want to over-glorify it. I think it's easy to think that what we do is just happy all the time and we're just skipping around giving headbands to all the kids. And I think that that would be like unjust for me to paint that picture because the reality is we have to operate just like any other business. We have to make sales. We have to grow. We have to scale. We run into the same kind of headaches that any other business does. But at the end of the day, all of that is worth it to us because we have this greater mission. So it doesn't necessarily change what we do. It changes why we do it. That's something I really want to be clear about um, because I think a lot of what you read or a lot of what you see can kind of show entrepreneurship and a lot of these social and do good companies as these kinds of rags to riches stories or really all the positives. But it still requires a lot of hard work, a lot of missteps, a lot of um, roadblocks that you have to have a purpose and you have to have a greater mission in order to still be motivated to keep going because it can be really hard. Yeah, your North Star, so to speak. Mm -hmm, Exactly. One of the things that I am passionate about is using business as a vehicle for change. I think that it can be one of the quickest and most effective ways to rally behind a cause and use starting a business as a means to a solution for a problem. I think some of the best problems or some of the best businesses are inspired by an issue. And I think that when you're growing up and you're trying to choose like what you want to do with your life and a job, sometimes you're like, well, do I want to work for a big company and make money and live a nice, stable life? Or do I want to sacrifice these luxuries in order to serve the greater good? You almost feel like it's a choice that you have to make, whether you're going to have a business or work for a business or if you're going to create meaning. I believe that you shouldn't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. You should be able to do both at once. And I think that I mentioned Tom's shoes earlier. I think they really paved the way for that. They were kind of the first to come up with this concept of social good within a business model. And you don't have to choose between a nonprofit or for-profit, which can be kind of extreme. You can be doing both at once and you can be making money and generating sales 
And at the same time, all of that directs to also a greater mission. And so now I believe that social responsibility in business isn't a trend. And that's one thing I want to stay away from is doing good as a trend for your business or, oh, it's really trendy to give back right now. I think instead, giving back is going to be an expectation for businesses, not a trend, not if you're giving back, but what are you doing to give back? And so some of the things that I think are also important to note is giving back in your business isn't enough anymore to make your business unique. And I think not a lot of people like talk about that. And I think a lot of businesses lean on a crutch of a social model. So they are giving a percentage of their sales or whatever it is that they're doing, feel like maybe that suffices to make them stand out. But now there are so many businesses doing that, that it's not enough. That's a really good point. Yeah. And it's something that you kind of have to come to terms with. I think that it's important to focus on like what you're doing to give back and how that's unique and different. And maybe you're, you're fulfilling a need that no one else is. Like we're the only company that is giving headbands to kids with cancer. So we're giving back in a unique way. And also how you're communicating that and the relationship that you're building with your customers. So, for example, a lot of people pose the question of trust, where they're making a purchase or they're making a donation and they're unsure what happens next. And maybe that deters them from going forward with your business or with your nonprofit because there isn't that transparency. So we at Headbands of Hope created a donation confirmation so when you actually purchase on our site, you'll get an email within a couple of weeks after with the exact hospital that your headband benefited. That way, people know exactly what's happening after they make purchase. And it also gives us the opportunity to reach back out to them and start that communication over and kind of stay on the forefront. I think that business and giving back shouldn't be two separate things. I think we should find more ways to merge them and use one to help the other. And I don't think it has to be complicated. Like you said, even just that little reach back to each one of the people who bought a headband through you, just circling back with them and saying, here's where the headband went. That's another opportunity for you to engage with them. Mm -hmm. It's something small, although I imagine that it's relatively complicated to do that <laughs> on a scale like you are. But it's a simple thing that I think makes a big difference. And it's, I think, representative of what you're talking about in general is in order to make a difference out there, we have to stand out. And in order to stand out, you got to do something somebody else isn't doing. Yeah. And I think that it's nice to have a business and you have the opportunity to engage with your customers for a reason outside of sales. I think that like everything is so saturated now with your inbox and your social media, everyone's trying to push their product or, and for us, it's yes, we want you to come purchase from our website or in one of our stores, but we want you to know why. And so um, using kind of that outreach as an opportunity for that is uh, for us, been really refreshing on our marketing plan. It's an important message that definitely needs to be heard. And I think it needs to be thought about. And at the highest levels of organization, it needs to be thought about very seriously about the folks who are deciding on the strategy of the company, the CEOs, 
the chief marketing officers, this sort of thing in, in big corporations. But the same can be said about entrepreneurs and people who are working out of the bedroom in their home. Definitely. For In my case, it's a co-working space. So if you hear any um, entrepreneurs in the background, that's where I am. And that's something else that I think has been changing for my business is surrounding yourself with people who maybe are doing something totally different than what you are, or maybe have a lot of like-minded thoughts. I think that when I can go back in time and figure out like where there were turning points in my business, it usually wasn't because of things that I learned. It was because of the people that I met and the people that inspired me. Well, isn't that a profound thing to say? <laughs> Speaking of profound, Jess, if you don't mind, I got a couple questions for you here. Sure. Um, the first one is, what challenges do you see facing many of today's leaders? I think the challenge I see facing a lot of leaders today is just the saturation of communication. You really have to fight in order to stand out because now it is so easy to get in front of the masses through social media, email. Um, it's a click of a button and you can, you can be out in front of people. So I think figuring out ways that make you different and instead of just being bigger, better, faster, stronger than someone else or your competition, finding that white space on a campus that makes you different and that's what's going to make you stand out. I think it's hard to appeal and stand out in like the digital space now organically uh, because it, there are so many people out there now, which one makes it great because you can connect with so many people. But on the other hand, it makes it a little bit more difficult to stand out among the rest. I like what you said about the white space on the canvas. That's great. Mm -hmm. What does inspired leadership mean to you, Jess? Inspired leadership means to me, I'm not going to tell people to follow me. I'm going to hopefully set an example that inspires them too. And so I think that now there's a lot of noise in the leadership space of people telling them what they're doing and why you should follow. But instead, I never really actively want, like became a leader. I just started moving in a direction that I thought needed attention. People naturally followed without me really standing up on a podium. And I think that that kind of organic leadership where people are inspired to follow and intrinsically motivated is the most effective kind because they made an active choice to do that. Um, it wasn't because something that they were offered or any kind of other incentive. It was they saw what I was doing. Um, they saw the direction I was heading and they chose to follow. But that also means that leadership for me became a little bit unexpected. And I know that might be naive for me to say starting a business, I didn't realize I was going to be a leader, but it was definitely something that I wasn't prepared for and had to learn. And the bigger team grows and the bigger Headbands Hope platform grows, the more I've had to learn about leading people. It's not just about my ideas. It's instilling a culture where they can create their own ideas. Yeah, you got that passion for doing something that you really believe in and it gets you going. And before you know it, it's like a magnet effect. Mm -hmm. Other people are coming forward and they're saying, I think what you're doing is incredible and I want to be part of this. It's like as if you're walking and all of a sudden you hear someone behind you and you turn around and there's a bunch of people behind you and you have to realize, how can you channel all of that? A lot of my job now is you know, not as much the one inside the company and coming up with all the ideas. It's about taking care of my people to come up with ideas and they can execute them. And so that was definitely a shift for me in figuring out how to do that. And also to understand that the leader doesn't have to be the smartest or the loudest person in the room. It's really just about 
instilling the culture of making everyone feel like they're a part of a bigger solution. They're not just like one thing that's going through a routine. They really are like an integral part into the problem that we're solving. Like they are part of that solution. And so if you can make them feel clearly connected to your goal and that mission, you'd be surprised what they can do even just without your direction. Well, speaking of that magnetic effect where people want to be part of what it is that you believe in and what you're doing, I know people are going to want to reach out to you. Jess, how are they going to find you? You guys can find us anywhere where you open a computer. (laughs) Um, Headbandsofhope.com is our website. And then you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Headbands of Hope. You can also find my personal website, jessextrom.com, and my social handles are there as well. And you're doing a bunch of public speaking and that sort of thing. So if people want an inspirational message, definitely they should be reaching out to you, right? Yes, definitely. Would love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much for being part of the Inspiring Leaders podcast today and for sharing your perspectives and your experiences. Jess Ekstrom, that was excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Terry. I appreciate it. I also want to say a huge thank you to every person listening to the show right now. You're the reason that we get to have great leaders like Jess Ekstrom here each week. And you inspire us with your comments and your ratings on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Like Hiking Joe, who wrote, Just what I was looking for. Concise and compelling stories with valuable lessons. Love it. Well, right back at you, Hiking Joe. We love feedback like that. And let me just take a second to remind everyone to head over to our website at ubiquityleadership.com slash podcast and look for that big old customer survey button. Help us make this show exactly what you are looking for and what you want to hear. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all again next time. Thanks again for being part of our quest to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. Wherever you are, we hope that we've helped to inspire you and that you'll pay it forward by inspiring others. Until next time, take care, everyone.